Welcome everybody. Good morning to you. My name is Tim Harris. I'm pastor here at Woodburn Baptist Church. So glad that you're with us. If you're joining us by audio or video podcast, or if you are in the cafe at this moment, God bless you. Welcome you. Uh, We're delighted to have all of you worship together with us. Open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25. We're going to start in verse 31 today. It's really not a series, but it is related to the message brought last week. Last week's message was called Father to the Fatherless. And we talked about how God himself is the God who cares deeply about every person. He cares especially about those uh, that the rest of us tend not to care about, the rest of us tend to overlook, the the fatherless, the widows, the orphans, those who need uh, very deeply and desperately. We, We tend not always to be there to meet their needs. But we said last week that one day we will answer for the way others in this world suffer. I want to follow up on that by going straight to the gospel of Matthew chapter 25 and and talking about this issue. Let me remind you of one other verse, though, before we go to Matthew. This is from Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27. Read these words with me. Each person is destined to die once, and after that, comes judgment. That's an amazing phrase right there, after that. You're going to die, and then after that. Because most of us think of death as the end. You think of death as the great period to your life, but the point is, there's life after death. So after you die, the next thing you look forward to is what? Judgment. You'll be judged. I know in our culture right now, you're not supposed to judge. I mean, everybody knows you've heard the message from our culture. None of us judges anybody. You don't judge. And that's correct. You don't judge. I'm not the judge. You're not the judge. But two things still remain. You're going to die and you're going to be judged. You understand that? Two very, very important fundamental principles. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about what that judgment is going to look like, sound like, and be like. Understand, this isn't just a passage in Scripture. This is a a preview. This is actually a scene out of your own future and, and mine too. So let's understand that. This is a picture, a scene out of the future. This is where we all will stand one day before the Lord. This is the final judgment from Matthew chapter 25. Hear this. But when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit upon his glorious throne and all the nations will be gathered in his presence and he will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when? When did we ever see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink or a stranger and show you hospitality or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison or or visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. And the king will turn to those on the left and say, Away with you, cursed ones, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. For I was hungry, and you didn't feed me. 
I was thirsty and you didn't give me a drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me into your home. I was naked and you didn't give me clothing. I was sick and in prison and you didn't visit me. And, and then they will reply, Lord, when? When did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and not help you? And he will answer, I tell you the truth. When you refused to help the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were refusing to help me. And they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous will go into eternal life. You will have your day before the judge. Your day is coming, your day in court. Have you ever had a day in court? You ever been to court? You ever, you ever stood in front of a judge? I guess in the interest of full disclosure, you all should know that your pastor has stood in front of the judge. I mean, I've stood in front of the judge with some of y'all, but I'm not talking about that. I mean, I stood there for me one day. It was years ago. Uh, this is my whole life of crime. It was years ago. Um, there's a stop sign behind the Houchins there on, on, on Cabell Drive there. And um, anyway, I, I did not totally run the stop sign. I, I actually remember specifically touching the brake, <laughs> and seriously, and I looked left and I looked right. I mean, I remember clearly looking left and looking right, because I looked right. That's when I saw the policeman. <laughs> he was right there, and he was looking me right in the eye, which is awkward. And, and so I, 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 rolled through the, I rolled through the stop sign, and he came right around. And he was actually a really cheerful cheerful officer, as if giving a young minister a ticket just lights him up. You, you know, he was, he was actually pretty cheerful. Anyway, he, he, he talked to me a bit, and he was writing, have y'all ever seen a traffic ticket? You know, me, me too. So um, he said that since this was my first offense, that probably I should go in front of the judge. I said, what happens if I go in front of the judge? He said, well, the judge may just decide to let it go. Okay, three wonderful words, let it go. You know, so I'm thinking, well, I'll, I'll go. I'll just go before the judge and explain things. You understand? Because this was, y'all, this was years ago. This was when Kay, I was going, this was like right in front of Casey's house when we were dating. And I thought if I explained that, you know, if the judge understood I'm a young man in love, <laughs> that he would, you know, have a little leniency. I mean, and plus I'm a minister. I'm a minister. I thought he should know that, that I was late for a date, which I was always late for every date, but that's a different story. I was always late because I was doing the Lord's work, people. I was a minister, and I'd probably been to church that night, and, and I was, you know, I, I was in love and loved Jesus and loved Casey. And so the reason I probably had some trouble at that stop sign is because I, you know, I was, I was coming from church and I, I was late to see the girl I love. And, and if I could explain all of that to, to the judge, I was pretty sure, I mean, I, I, I've got really good chances here in front of the judge. So I went before the judge, you guys, I did. You know how you kind of practice a story? And I practice that whole story. I just gave it to you. I mean, I practice that story about, you know, young minister in love and late for a date because I'd been, you know, kept at church, you know, where if I'm not there, people die and go to hell. You know, I, I, it's really important work. And so anyway, it wasn't, I, I pictured it sort of like law and order, you know, in the big room, but actually I was in the judge's chamber. 
which is like his office. But that's cool. It's kind of one-on-one. So, so they called my name, and I stepped in, and I'm, I'm kind of going over the story in my head, you know, late for a date, love Jesus, love my, you know, my girlfriend. And uh, Anyway, I just sat down in the chair. And, and the thing is, I never got to tell my story, y'all. I, I never got to tell him how much I love Jesus and how I'm a minister and, and, you know, been at church and late for a date because all he did was say, Mr. Harris, what did you do? Like, that skips my whole story. <laughs> what did you do? And it caught me off guard because I wasn't, I, I wanted him to say, what do you do? And I do the ministry part. But he said, what did you do? And, and I knew what he was asking and I didn't have a good answer. So I said two words. I said, um, stop sign. <laughs> he said, Mr. Harris, you ran a stop sign? I, I mean, yo, this is not going the way I planned. I said, well, I wouldn't say I ran it. He said, well, the officer who wrote the ticket says you ran it. So I said, you know, very, very articulately, um, um. (laughs) So bottom line, I was found guilty. (laughs) Sentenced to community service. I never got, you know, to the part about how, you know, much I love Jesus. I never got to the part about, you know, being a minister and working for the church. I I never got to the part about being a young man in love, late for a date. Because it was just a bottom line kind of thing. What what did you do? And the fact is I I ran a stop sign. I was guilty. I broke the law. And so I was sentenced and condemned. And it was over really fast. That was my day in court. What the scripture tells us is that, for, for all of us, our, our day's coming. Our day before the judge is coming, and, and, and not judge down in Warren County Justice Center. We're talking about the, the judge, the, the only one, as we say, who really can judge us, and that is God himself. He, he knows all about you, so he doesn't need to hear your story. He knows your story. You don't need to explain anything, and there are no excuses at, at that moment or anything else. There's nothing he doesn't know. And that's why he is the judge, and that's why he is qualified to judge you and me. And that's why, as the scriptures say, after he issues his judgment, that there's going to be just silence. You're not going to have anything to say because his justice will be perfect. In every single case, his justice will be perfect. Now, what exactly is the basis of judgment? Because I'm not sure we're always clear on that. I think most of us somehow think that one way or the other, when we get there and stand before him, that we will tell our story and somehow we'll be the exception to everything. But, but no, it's actually really, really clear, more clear than we make it most of the time, even, even in church. But, but because the bottom line is what you do in this life matters for eternity. Understand? What you do, what you actually do in this life, it's going to matter for all eternity, what you do. So when I sat down in the judge's chamber, he said, Mr. Harris, what did you do? Do you understand? And it's not that different from the final judgment. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit upon his glorious throne and all the nations will be gathered in his presence and he will separate the people. He separates the people, and as it turns out, that separation has a whole lot to do with what they have done. Understand? It comes right down to that. The king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. You understand? It's a kingdom prepared from the creation of the world, which means this isn't a last-minute thing thrown together. 
And the basis of judgment isn't a last minute thing either. This is from the creation of the world. This is how it's always been. The rules haven't changed. They've never been rewritten. That the standard of judgment hasn't fluctuated depending on circumstances. No, this is how it's always been. From the foundation of the world, this is how it was always going to be. And he will say, come. Those of you who inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me. Do you understand? What you do in this life matters for all e- eternity. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. You see the actions word here? You fed, you, you gave, you, you invited, you, you clothed. You cared, you visited. These are action words. What you do in this life will matter for all eternity. Now you're nervous, aren't you? Because you're thinking, well, Pastor Tim, up until this moment, you've always said we were saved by grace. You've always said that salvation was by grace, and it is. It is. Salvation is by grace. It is a free gift of God, and it is not based on what you do. You understand? That salvation, that grace of God comes upon me as a gift. And I don't earn that. And it's not as if I have to do all of these things to get God to notice me, to get God to love me. He loves me already. So understand, salvation is not a matter of of doing enough good things so that you make heaven. And that's not even what this passage teaches. But understand, let's be very, very clear about what what salvation is. Let's be very, very clear about what grace is. Grace is that free gift that God gives me that that removes my guilt before him and and erases my sin. Understand? But, But once that grace comes into my life, it transforms me. Scripture makes this clear. If anyone is in Christ, there is a new person, a new creation. All the old things are passed away. Behold, everything is now made new. You're going to be a different kind of person when you become a Christian, when that grace takes hold of you. It it removes the guilt of your sin, absolutely, but it also changes you. So your life's going to be different. So understand, when the king says, I was hungry, you fed me, I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. He's not tallying up the good deeds to see who makes heaven. This is the judgment seat, absolutely, and he is the judge. So understand, these these good deeds, the, the deeds that you do, turns out these are sort of the evidence. This is the evidence. Evidence. So the bottom line is when that grace transforms you, when that grace, that free gift of salvation comes upon you, it makes you a different kind of person and it changes the way you live. Bottom line is genuine Christians will act like Christians every day. I'd say the key word is genuine, but I kind of feel like every one of these words is a key word. A genuine Christian, that means a Christian who actually has experienced salvation in Christ, that free gift of grace, that changes you. It changes you so that you're going to act like that. You're going to live a different kind of life. It's going to be a life of good works, absolutely. It's not the works that save you, but the works are pretty good evidence that God's grace has really been operative in your life. So honestly, if you're sitting in this house today or listening to the sound of my voice and you tell yourself that it's going to be okay with you, you tell yourself that surely God's going to let you in heaven because you've been such a good person, you may be fooling yourself. 
It's really not on the basis of you're judging yourself and somehow you judge yourself as better than most people. Salvation is God's gift and he's going to be the judge, but you just got to still pay attention to the way you live your life. I mean, bottom line, if your life looks like everybody else's life in the world that doesn't know Jesus, chances are you don't know Jesus either. I mean, you can't say that you're going to heaven uh, after you die if you live like hell on this earth. Genuine Christians will act like Christians every day. So the king says to those on his right, I was hungry and, and, and you fed me. I, I was thirsty. You gave me something to drink. And their answer is kind of funny. What do they say? I remember that. I remember that. Oh, yeah, I remember that. You know, I remember that day the church had that big hot dog thing going down there in the projects, and we grilled hot dogs and fed kids. Actually, I remember that day, Jesus, and that was a good day for me, too. That was a good day, yeah. Yeah, I remember, I remember that year that, that we had that prison ministry at the church and I volunteered and I, I went down to the Eddyville that day and they patted me down and that was awkward. But I went to visit the inmates that I remember that day. And now that you mentioned Jesus, I remember, oh, I remember the day we handed out bottles of water at the fair. Yeah, I remember, no, that's the funny part. When Jesus says, I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was sick and you cared for me. What did the righteous ones say? When? When? How do you explain that? What, were they drunk? Did they do it in their sleep? How could they get to that very moment of judgment when the evidence rolls in and, and the judge lays out all the facts of their life and it turns out all the facts that really matter turn out to be things they didn't even remember? How can you explain that? Well, I would just simply say that as it turns out, for those who are truly righteous, doing these things, acting out their salvation with fear and trembling, that's just a way of being in the world. When you have Jesus in your heart, when his love controls you, feeding the hungry and helping those in need and tending those who are sick and visiting those who are in jail, that's not a church program. That's just a way of being in the world. That's your way of life. It's so much your way of life where if somebody points it out, you're thinking, really? You know? I mean, the reason they don't specifically remember feeding him that day is because this is just what they did. It wasn't them acting like Christians one day because they said, hey, y'all, it's care night. Amen. It's just simply a way of being in the world. It's almost subconscious. It's automatic for them to live this way. They never thought of themselves as doing anything extraordinary because for those who belong to Jesus, this is sort of ordinary. Or it's supposed to be ordinary. In other words, they live this life for others. They live this life of compassion. And they live it to such a degree that when they give, when they help people, when they care for people, it's not even something that they remember. They don't keep track of that. Understand? When you give, you just give without remembering. And that's sort of a sign of godliness. Now, some of us give, but we always get a receipt. Even from family members, some of you married people, man, if you ever did anything for your wife, she's going to hear about it till Jesus comes, isn't she? I mean, if, if you do, I mean, if you lift a finger to help somebody, you remember that forever. 
That's not exactly living like Christ there. You know, when you do something for somebody with this idea that you'll get something back, that's not what we're talking about here. It's giving without even remembering. It's just a joyful way of being in the world. The king says, I was hungry and you fed me. And they said, when? When? Now I was thirsty. You gave me something to drink. When? When when did we see you? I was in jail and you visited me. I was sick and you cared for me for whatever you did for the least of these. Who are the least of these? Well, it turns out the least of these would be everybody, anybody that you pass along the way who has a need that you could meet. It's not a specific group of people. It's just the people, the the random everyday people that you pass. It's not the people that we assign you to in a church program. You understand? This is just the people in your path. Now, this is why we can't program this. This is why we can't organize the church so that everybody acts like a genuine Christian every day. Either you are or you ain't. You understand? So we're just talking about a way of being in the world. This is just a path of following Jesus, and it's not doing something extraordinary. Well, Pastor Tim, I don't know if I have time to make any visits. Well, I don't know what you're doing with your life, but if your life doesn't allow time to help people in need, then your life is messed up. If in your life you can't stop and help somebody who is in need, then you really need to begin to look at your own heart. There's something off kilter here. If you believe that on that final day, you're going to hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant, but it turns out you haven't actually done anything but work. There's something profoundly wrong with your life and the way you see the world here. This isn't going out of their way. This was their way of life. And This is what Christian faith looks like. It looks like helping people. If your life doesn't look like helping people, you really should examine the integrity of your Christian faith. Understand that the bottom line is a a life of doing for others is the primary evidence of belonging to Jesus. It's not going to church. Being in church on Sunday, that's not the the, the number one sign that you belong to Christ. I mean, I could have brought my dog, Augie, to church today. This dog is not a Christian. (laughs) But I could have brought her in. That's not the sign. You know, being baptized in that tub over there, you know, for that matter, I could pitch my dog, Augie, and she would love that. It wouldn't make her a follower of Jesus. You understand? The, the, the real test of following Jesus, it comes out in your life and not your church life. We're talking about your life life. And a life of doing good for others is the primary evidence that you belong to Jesus. So when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, he will take his place upon his throne. And all of the people of the world will be in front of him. He will separate them. The way a shepherd separates sheep from goats. You know, that, that's the kind of rigidity. That, that's the kind of black and white that, that, that we don't do very well these days. That, that when that judgment falls, it's just one of two things. Sheep, goats, heaven, hell. I, I mean, one of two. 
See, most of us live our lives thinking that we're, we're just something in the middle, but, but somehow we're going to tip over onto the good side. But no, there's no middle here. It's, it's pretty easy classification. Sheep, goats, heaven, hell. You know, one or the other. It's not going to be hard for Jesus to tell on that day. And honestly, it's not so hard to tell now. Look at your life. I'm not talking about your church life. I'm talking about your life life. Your life will tell us everything about your heart. And it turns out your life should be a life of doing for others. I know you're busy. What are you busy doing? If it's not doing for others, what are you busy doing? Because if it's not for others, it's for yourself. And that by very definition is the opposite of the spirit of Christ. What are you doing with your life? What are you doing with your time? And so when we say doing for others, understand watching the price is right doesn't count. When we say doing for others, you know, Ben's watching an entire season of Game of Thrones. That doesn't count. Buying a giant car for yourself, that does not count. Putting your own children through school, clothing, feeding your own children, that's not going to count. Everybody does that. My dog, Augie, would do that. It it, it turns out that when you stand before God in all of his glory and all the holy angels around him, what's going to matter to him are the everyday chances that you have had to do good. Everyday chances. So he says to those on his left, depart from me. Depart from me. Go to the fiery pit prepared for the devil and his angels because I was hungry and you did not feed me. And they say, wait, when? When? Because if we'd have seen you, we'd have fed you. I I was thirsty and you did not give me something to drink. And they go, wait, wait, when? When? Because if we'd have seen you thirsty, we'd have helped you. Now, we saw a lot of people in our lives, but, but, but for the most part, they didn't work. I worked for what I had, and I figured if they wanted it bad enough, they could work too. So, but if I'd have seen you, I'd have helped you. Jesus says, I was sick, and you did not come to visit me. And they say, well, no, wait, when? Because I saw a lot of sick people, but for the most part, if they hadn't have smoked all them cigarettes, they wouldn't have had the emphysema. And for the most part, they brought it on themselves. I mean, they were dying of AIDS, but we all know how you get AIDS. And if I'd have seen you, I would have helped you. I'd have been happy to help you. But now the sick people I met in life, for the most part, they got what was coming to them. And Jesus says, I was naked and you did not clothe me. They say, no, wait, when? Because if we'd have seen you, we would have helped you. And there were lots of people we saw who obviously could have used a good rag and some soap worse than they needed clothes. So we didn't help them, but now we would have helped you. I was in prison and you did not visit me. And they said, no, wait, if you'd have been in jail, we'd have visited you. But for the most part, jails just kind of always creeped me out. 
You know, and, and jailbirds, we know about, we know what they did to get in there. We know what they did. And, and honestly, they got what they deserved. But now, if it had been you, we'd have visited you. And Jesus says, enough. For whatever you did not do to help any of those people in your life that you pass along the way, whatever you did not do, it's just like you didn't do it for me. And you understand, Jesus takes it personally. He takes that personally. When you blow right past the person in need, the person you work with, the person you go to school with, when you do not help them, Jesus notices that. He's going to remember that, and he's going to take it personally. When you stand before him, he will say, that was just like you were doing that to me. He takes it personally. Turns out he really does love the world. It turns out he really does love everybody a whole lot more than you and I love everybody. But as it turns out one day, we will be judged. And what will matter to God are all the everyday opportunities that we had to do somebody good. Somebody besides ourselves. Somebody besides our own church. Somebody besides our own family. We have multiple opportunities every single day. We don't even notice them, but God doesn't miss a single one of those moments. And one of these days, he's going to remind you. And that's what the Bible calls judgment. I don't know if you've ever stood before a judge on this earth, but the Bible makes something perfectly clear. One of these days, you're going to die. And after that, you will be judged. You'll be judged on the basis of your relationship to the judge. I was hungry. You, 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 you did not feed me. It's always been relation to him, relation to Jesus. But that relationship is always borne out. It's always expressed in everyday acts, the kinds of things that Jesus would do if he were living in you. Turns out what matters most are all those everyday chances to be like Christ. Understand that? He's the judge. You'll stand before him. You hearing me? Your day's coming. Your day's coming. Pray with me. It's Sunday, and we are not at work, and we are not at school. We are at church, and we don't see any needy people here, Lord. We don't see any. And after church, we'll go to mom's, or we'll go out to eat. You know, we'll, we'll be at Cheddar someplace, or El, El Mazatlan, and, and we won't see anybody there hungry, Lord. I mean, it's all the chips and sauce that you can put away. We won't see... Anybody in need. Now, the hospitals are full, but, but, but Lord, the doctors and nurses are taking care of them, and we would be in the way. We, we figure that what could we do? And besides, Lord, there, there are so many, just so many people in need. Lord, we can't help them all. 
You can't possibly expect us to help all of them. All the hungry people in the whole wide world, all, all the thirsty people, the people that close, what, what can we do? We can't help everybody. Oh, but Lord Jesus, may we never forget that though while you will never expect us to have helped everybody, you will expect us to have helped everybody that we could help. Can't feed all the hungry, but we can feed all the hungry that we see, that we meet, that we know about. Lord, we don't know the needs of the whole world, but probably every single one of us knows somebody whose food will run out before the money comes next month. Lord, we know people like that, and we know somebody's sick. We know somebody, Lord, who needs food today, who could benefit from a meal. Lord, we know people. Our prayer list is full of sick people. We always pray, Lord, but to visit? You wanted us to visit? Or in county jails full of people and the door's always open this direction, Lord. We could always go visit, but what would we say? It would be so awkward, so uncomfortable. How is it, Lord, that you tell us that? At the jail, Lord, when we look into the face of that lawbreaker, that somehow we would encounter you. When we minister to the hungry, the, the, the sick, the broken, the lonesome, Lord, somehow in all of these everyday opportunities, Lord, we would be ministering to you. We would be serving you. Lord, it's easier just to... Uh, Imagine that going to church satisfies you then to understand, Lord, that it's our entire life that you demand. We do much for ourselves, Lord. We feed ourselves. We clothe ourselves. We comfort ourselves. But, Lord Jesus, help us. We do very, very little for others. We thank you, Lord, that today is today, and today is not Judgment Day because we still got some time, Lord, to get our hearts right with you and to begin living a different kind of life in this world. Lord Jesus, I thank you that today we don't meet you as judge. We meet you as Savior. We meet you as Spirit. We meet you as the one who comes in to change our hearts and our lives so that we no longer live for ourselves, but we begin to live for Christ and for the world. Lord Jesus, today, change our hearts, change our ways, change the way we look at our money, change the way we look at others so that we begin to live lives that look more like Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. The altar's open if you wish to come and pray now. We're going to sing a song of response, a song of worship. You should spend this time for praying. You should spend this time for listening for the voice of the Lord. I don't know how he's speaking to you, but if you will listen to him, if you will allow him to, to, to speak into your heart in this moment, he's going to show you names, faces, people that you can help, that you need to help today before the sun goes down, before this week is over. When you know of a person who is in need, then it becomes your obligation to go help. This is what Christians do. Stand together. If you have a public decision to make, I'm at the front to receive you. A physical need for healing, come to the deacon by the baptistry and he will pray for you. Whatever your need, the Lord is here.